and welcome to The Basement Astrologers. I am coming to you solo today from my basement on January 1st, uh, 2019. Happy New Year, everyone. It is, what time is it? 3.08 p.m. in St. Paul, Minnesota. Today, I have a very special guest and a very special friend and person on the podcast. I've been talking about her for months. I'd like to welcome Natalie Fowler, psychic medium and author, to The Basement. Hello, Natalie. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I suppose you're pretty comfortable in basements with the work that you do. (laughs) I like creepy basements especially. (laughs) (laughs) This is a pretty creepy basement, so thank you so much for taking the time. And finally, we have like some extra time over the holidays to sit down and record this together. It's a perfect day. So we don't have much on the agenda. Just I just wanted to talk to you and maybe ask you a few questions uh, about your history and how you discovered your gifts and how you came to you know, start your practice of being a psychic and helping people. I think you started with house clearings. Is that a little bit? Yes. Um, It's kind of a long story. How much time do we have? We have as much time as you want. I mean, I think it's fascinating because you used to be an attorney. Yeah. So that is quite the transformation. And I see a lot of clients, I'm sure you do too, wondering if they can make a giant career change and how they're they can do it. And I thought maybe telling your story, maybe a little bit of mine, just as encouragement that it can be done uh, and follow your soul path. I mean, that's what we're doing together now with people exactly um, to uh, <laughs> basically help ourselves and help the collective. So if you can just kind of tell your story of how you came into doing what you're doing now. Absolutely. Well, it's like I said, it's a little bit of a long story, but it all happened very organically. When I was a little girl, I was fascinated by ghost stories. I could never get enough. I would read stories about ghosts and always want to know more. And one of the things that I was always looking for in a ghost story that I could never find were that I was always looking for more about the ghost. I wanted to know what it was like to actually be a ghost. You always hear stories and they're told from the perspective of the person being haunted, how scary it is to have a ghost in your house or or to be living in a haunted house. And I always thought it would be equally scary to be the ghost. So that Ooh, was always the perspective I was looking for. <laughs> so that was something that just was a passion at a very young age, was learning more about the paranormal and ghosts and that sort of thing. My life took a very practical turn. I majored in business and I went on to, be, uh, to law school and, and graduate and become a lawyer. Uh, And during that time period, I was around all these really logical and rational thinkers. So it was just a complete... Well, that makes sense. Yes, of course. (laughs) I'm not really talking about ghost stories, you know, at the water cooler. No, but on one of those those jobs I had after, after I got out of law school, I was clerking for a judge in Hastings. Uh, It was quite a long drive from the city, so I had a lot of time in my own head every day to think about that. And I really missed the creative writing part that I had grown to kind of love uh, just as a side passion of mine. And so I started to come up with some characters and I started to think how interesting it would be to tell a story of a character who is trained to think logically and rationally like a lawyer uh-huh. and give them something completely irrational to deal with like a ghost. Ooh, so that's some good stuff. That's kind of where the ideas came from. At that time, I had no idea how... I was actually writing some of my own story in that. Um, I developed those stories. I worked really hard on them and just kind of developing that creative passion. Is this while you were still practicing law? Yes. Okay. So, and then, let's see, not long after that, um, when I went on maternity leave, actually, I took my first, I took my first creative writing class 
and just started started actually getting some of those ideas down on paper and took advantage of that time. Not too long after that, my family, we had little kids and we moved overseas. We moved to Belgium. Okay. We were there for five years. And the cool part of that is it gave me a lot of time. Uh, both of my kids started school there at in Belgium, they start school at age two and a half. So you weren't doing the lawyer thing over there? No. Okay. I was not working okay. at that time. I had a lot of time on my hands, and with both kids in school, I had time to write. So I decided to finish my dusty old novel. Okay. <laughs> and in doing that, I also got the idea for the second, and I just kept writing, and that was how I filled my time there. Uh, when we moved back to the States, I signed with a literary agent and started to actually turn that dream into more of a reality. And... In doing that, I ended up meeting a group of people. Uh, it's my paranormal group called Ghost Stories, Inc. Okay. It's a group of authors and illustrators, and we had thought it would be really fun to uh, put together some classes and workshops where we teach writing classes and art classes, basically on how to be inspired by all things creepy and okay. historic. <laughs> paranormal. <laughs> paranormal. Okay. And we go on a ghost hunt at night. Um, Jessica Freeberg is the founder of that group, and she and I co-authored a couple books together. And she's just, I call her my soul sister. We we uh, have a lot in common. So Awesome. So she's the founder of that group. So going back, I just want to backtrack a little bit about the ghost stories and ghost piece of things. Yes. Did you... Before even the writing or um, going to Belgium, did you see ghosts? Did you have ghost experiences your whole life, or were you just interested in them? It was a little of both. Okay. I I know that for sure I had some paranormal experiences as a child. Uh, my mom tells the story about how I had an imaginary friend, Okay. and I would play with her, and her name was Darnie, and she went everywhere with me. And it was one of those stories that just survived through the years that everyone Do you remember Darnie? I don't remember oh. her. I don't remember talking about her at all. I think I was oh, wow. about three at the time. Wow. But suddenly, one day, she was gone, and my mom asked me about where she had gone, and, and I told my mom that she had to leave because she had a heart attack. And so (laughs) what's really funny is that over the years and as I did more research on the paranormal and psychic kids, I asked my mom over and over again, do you think that I could have been playing with a ghost? And finally, last year, I got her to admit that I probably was, in fact, playing with a ghost. Oh, because she she couldn't explain it herself. She couldn't explain it. She did tell me when I talked to her that she and my grandmother actually had a conversation about it and they thought that that's probably what was happening but they had no idea how to explain it to me or what to do with that so they just wrote it off as my imagination. (laughs) I don't have kids but I have heard so many stories from parents that the craziest stuff comes out of the three-year-old's mouth like how do you know that or who is that person or who did you used to be? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and actually, that's one of the side interests I've had in this. I have three very psychically sensitive children. And so one of the reasons I write what I write and started getting into this was just so that I could stay a couple steps ahead of them and be able to teach them and explain them to them better than what I was taught, which was, I was always told that it was just my imagination and there's no such thing. And I think as a result, when you're told that so many times in your childhood, I think some of those gifts shut off. I completely agree. You just don't use that part of your brain, whether it is a part of the brain or you just get more sucked into the physical reality. Everyone 
quote unquote believes in. Um, right. Any, or the program. <laughs> it's like any part of your brain. If you don't use it, you lose it. It's like a language you forget to speak. It's you forget how to see ghosts or, or talk to them, perhaps. I exactly. don't really know. Or, Nobody really knows. Or just even it, it also, I think if it's something that's scary and we're afraid of, then you shut that down kind of as a self-preservation yeah. technique. I, I remember being in junior high feeling like there was a dark shadow staring at me while I was sleeping and convinced that there was something there. And every time I would talk about it, everyone would just tell me that there, it was just my imagination, which I obviously have a very active one if I'm writing books. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that now looking back, it's comforting to know that there was probably something standing there staring at me. And, right. Uh, <laughs> I want to hear more stories about that later. Yes. Um, but going back, so the uh, writing and being an author – happened before you moved into starting a psychic medium Absolutely. practice. Okay. Yes. And then you realized... Sort of my gateway. <laughs> writing a book was your gateway drug to being a psychic. So you kind of wrote your own story, like you said, from a different a book perspective. And yes. You, did it dawn on you one day? You're like, whoa, this is me? Uh, I'm talking to ghosts or I can talk to ghosts? Or did you... Re- do you remember it was an it, epiphany or did it gradually <laughs> happen? Well, it is now. If I look back and read those stories, it is very much... Uh, I, the story tells about a What is the name student. of the book? Did we say this yet? Um, the first one, it's a series. Okay. It's a paranormal mystery series. It's not published yet. Okay. Um, still working on that part. But uh, yes, the first one is, what's the name of it? The, well, the <laughs> second one that, that my agent just fell in love with is called A Sinner Among Us. And it okay. features a gangster uh, ghost who doesn't know that he's dead. Ooh, and fun. Decides like, that, mob boss? Yes. Ooh. Based on John Dillinger, actually. Okay. And a huge history And very geek, good so. for St. Paul because yes. we have uh, some haunted places. Absolutely. Apparently from former mob members. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of caves in St. Paul, so that's fantastic. Yes. Yes. Actually, one of the scenes in that book takes place in the caves. So, Ooh, creepy. Uh, which is, again, why it's funny, because I was actually working on that book while I lived in Belgium, okay. not always knowing the history. And, and now when I look back and line it up with some things that have happened in my own life, it's almost like they were a little prophetic. <laughs> really cool. Yes. So. Um, so you, you've been writing for years. And then when did you launch your practice? I think. Well, so it all started with Ghost Stories, Inc. When I was out there with my paranormal team, I became a ghost hunter before I knew I was psychic, which is really funny. Uh, With the machines, you mean? Yes, like paranormal investigators. I've done a few of those. They have extra sensitive microphones and video things and glow. I don't know. They have all kind of doodads now. Yes, well, it's funny. The first time they invited me to go along on one of their their, uh, adventures, I... I was terrified. Not only <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> it was really funny. I I'd been writing about ghosts for years and years, but I didn't know if I really wanted to go shake one out of an attic. So oh. I was a little nervous about that. But also, I was worried I wouldn't have anything to talk about. Uh, here, they were all really experienced. They were filming for their documentary that they're working on at the time, and so I was nervous I wouldn't have anything to talk about. And my biggest fear was looking stupid on video. Oh, <laughs> so, really? <laughs> so I did a bunch of research. I researched the place. Like I said, I'm, I'm kind of a self-proclaimed history geek, and I love to research, and that's actually some uh, something valuable tools I learned during law school was right. how to kind of dig in and find yeah. things that nobody else knows about. So... I did a bunch of research on the house we were investigating and found all this really cool stuff to the point where the next day they asked me to join the group and be the historian. Um, 
for their group. They didn't have a researcher. That was so like your tryout? That was my tryout, I guess. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I joined the group. And then as we did more and more of this, I realized I was seeing and sensing and kind of knowing things that other people weren't aware of. Okay. So I, it was almost like that's kind of the moment where the the gift turned back on. And I, I had always called myself intuitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like I would always know when to slow down so that I wouldn't get a speeding ticket or when to, you know, kind of st- those those inner nudges you get to stay a couple he- steps ahead of your children or to know when they're right. lying and things like that. I was always really good at that, but I wasn't acknowledging that as psychic gifts, so to speak. Uh, that's cool. I have the same thing. I've never had a speeding ticket and I deserve like a thousand. <laughs> I, know, I so just know I. when the cops are on it before I can see them. Oh, yes. that's intuition. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so to start to call it the different psychic gifts and kind of be able to learn more about it and zero in on what actually I was pulling that information from was fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm, a, I'm also a trained attorney, so I've always taken a very logical approach to the psychic information that I get. Um, it's nice to be a paranormal investigator first and a psychic second because I'm constantly trying to prove what I'm picking up on with facts mm-hmm. and evidence uh, and not just taking it at face value. It's really nice when we can validate and prove that information. Well, yeah, and that's what the majority of the world wants is yes. the facts and the evidence and the scientific proof that this stuff is out there. Yes. So um, on that note, do you have any... I mean, I love stories. Does one um, story stand out in your mind of a paranormal investigation from back then or even now that sticks out? Or um, Well, yes, actually. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, we have done a lot of investigations at Four Paws. It's a local restaurant here in St. Paul that's notoriously haunted. It's an old mansion. It's an old mansion. It's gigantic and it's gorgeous. Yes. Okay. And it's got a very heavy history. There is... A lot of legend centered around the very first family who owned the home. Um, the legend states that Joseph Forpa, who was an early entrepreneur in St. Paul and made his money very young, he built this house for his family. And the rumor is that he fell in love with one of the maids named Molly. Scandalous. <laughs> <laughs> and she became pregnant with his baby. And the rumor is that uh, the the wife found out about it. Mary Forpa found out about it, and ended the relationship. And as a result, this, this maid supposedly committed suicide in the home. And uh, yes, tragedy struck. So that's so, the stories that's, that's been handed story. down, and what you thought walking in. That's I mean that's the story that you were fed and, yes. and told and that's what happened. Okay. And and also I've known people even before I got into all this work I've known people who have worked there, and talked about paranormal experiences and that sort of thing. So and it's in it's in it shows up on the list of the most haunted places in St. Paul every year at Halloween and things yeah. like that. Um, there's a lot of local lore and legend around around that. So it's a fascinating place to investigate and the history is really heavy. So. It was it was a lot of fun to get in there. Um, so what happened? What what's, what's what stands out about Four Paws? Um, it must be with the story that you heard. The, well, there's the, that's just kind of the, the background. background. So that's how we we got into investigate. Uh, they do paranormal presentations every every so often, and and it's great. It gives us a chance to get in there and investigate. We invite different teams from all over the place to. Off to just 
so that other paranormal teams can have a chance to investigate such a, a cool place like this. And then each of these teams is invited to come and do a presentation so that Ooh. that's a way they can share the ghost stories with the general public without having everyone traipse through the house on oh, okay. a paranormal investigation. So that's what they've set up. Um, I've been there a few different times. And on one such investigation, you talk about the technology yeah. and everything. And on one such investigation, there was a, a mirror that was up against an exterior wall. And the wives' tale is that if you have a mirror that's against an exterior wall, it can actually be a portal for other energies. Well, creepy. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Going around my house now and making sure I don't have any on the And wall. it's not always the case. Okay. <laughs> but it just so happened they were in this room investigating, and they were having SLS images. So SLS is a specific type of paranormal equipment that's modeled after the Kinect's video game system. Um, you lost me on SLS, I know, but I know. I know. It's and I'm so not a techno geek, <laughs> yeah. so, so I'll try to explain it the best I can. A lot of paranormal investigative equipment is actually adapted from other things that were invented for something different first. Oh. And uh, this particular piece of equipment is used for video game systems, Connect, the Kinect's camera. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. But what they were finding, it's, it, it's a camera that maps in certain body points, like 18, I think it needs 18 points on your body to be able to map in an image. And it's a way for you to play interactive video games without needing to hold a remote. Like a virtual reality Virtual reality, okay. yes, exactly. So what they found was that they would have this game system going, the gamer would leave the room and then come back and there would be another figure mapped in that they couldn't see with their own eyes, but it was moving like a body. That's creepy. It so is. from <laughs> how I visualize or understand that, nobody's in the room and this video game or movie system is picking up a figure and it projecting is. it onto a screen. I would lose my shit and probably leave. So <laughs> this obviously was a big deal at this event. It is. Well, so this is a piece of equipment that's a really high-tech piece of equipment that's starting to be able to prove that yes there is something else out there because huh. it does it does it for example it won't map in a table or a chair but it will map in an image of a person sitting at the table what about like animals like a dog walk it by? will map in oh, a dog wow. okay, yeah it has to be something that's moving it has to be something that's moving and it has to recognize certain body image points okay um well they've adapted this technology to uh, handheld cameras that we use for ghost hunting. Oh, really? And so it's great to have them set up. It's really tangible physical evidence that you've got something that you're capturing. Yeah. On the, and that you're interacting with something. So when you when you tell this image to raise your right hand and wave, and it raises its right hand and wave, you've got some pretty good validation that you're actually interacting with a ghost. Did that happen? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It happens really? all the time. So yes. you can talk to a ghost or spirit or whatever it is and give it a command or ask it to do something and it responds? Well, and if it responds, you're you're pretty sure you're interacting with something intelligent in wow. that way. Wow. Yes. I'm pretty creeped out now. Yes. So, okay. So obviously that was – that's a, you're talking about the first time you, you saw that and – or well, you, you no, that happens a lot. Um, okay. But in this particular story, okay. we were pointing the SLS camera at the mirror, 
And it was mapping in all of these images coming in through the mirror. So, <laughs> and then they would leave or, or whatnot. And so there were some other, this whole investigation was designed around trying to capture evidence based on uh, information that other psychic mediums were picking up. So there oh, were a number okay. of us there who were doing psychic, you know, acting as a medium um, to try to intuit psychic information and and get a read for the energies of the house. And then we were trying to capture that evidence with, or capture those impressions with evidence so that it would sort of validate what we were picking up. Okay. Um, so like, for example, there's 10 psychics in the room. They say, hey, that mirror on the wall is a portal. Yes. Maybe we should uh, point the camera there so you can see what we're talking right. about. Right. And then okay. the images come through. So that's what okay. was happening Got in it. this moment. Well, one other thing that started to happen with this is these images, it, it felt creepy. You know, there's there's good ghosts and there's bad ghosts. And this was definitely feeling more along the creepy level. And so myself and another energy practitioner, the the managers were there and they said they wanted us to close this down. Um, close the portal? Close the portal down and close the mirror off so and they that can't things just couldn't come in. Take the mirror off the wall. Or, okay, so they actually asked yes. you to do something once they saw this camera activity. Once they saw this camera activity happening. Okay. <laughs> so uh, a colleague of mine and I started doing energy work to close off this mirror portal. And as we did and as we worked, the activity completely stopped. So, okay, and the camera was so live the whole time. The camera was live the whole time, and once we were finished no further images were coming through the The mirror. audience could see that. I mean, they can't see what you're doing. Right. You might be just sitting there or standing there, but you're- It was you're five minutes of silence. <laughs> yeah, you're concentrating, you're, you're yes. doing the work that you do, and they could see evidence of the portal activity or the camera it just- Close off, cl- okay. and nothing happened after that. Wow. So that was, you know, you talk about tangible evidence of of paranormal activity, that was one of the things that has kind of blown my mind yeah. <laughs> in this field. Um, no, I'm sure you can have the skeptics come in or people that are like, oh, you could that could be a trick or, oh, you sure. know, you get that all the time. But no, that's fascinating. I yeah. have not seen this equipment. I'm sure now that we're working together, I will see it sometime in the future <laughs> and yes. maybe have a little bit of whiskey before I sit down in a room <laughs> with a portal. Well, we don't encourage that. Uh, well, I won't be working. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't drink while I'm working, but if I'm watching you work, I might have to just have a drink in the corner and watch the ghost from a distance. You'll be fine. Um, well, cool. Um, any other tidbits you want to throw in about the paranormal research? Because uh, that's how I think you started was doing these uh, clearings, housework, yes. like haunted. You would like you're a. You're one of my favorite people because you're a real-life Ghostbuster. That's like my favorite 80s movie. I, I still watch that movie like once a month. It's, it's awesome. So people call you like you're a Ghostbuster and you clear their house or you tell them what's up with their house or a restaurant, a hotel. Yes. You work with a lot of businesses as well, not just I do. families. And I like to think of it more as instead of Ghostbusting, I like to call it Spirit Rescue. <laughs> That's thank you. They're a more enlightened term. Um, well, actually, that's really what drove me to start this business in the first place, and I, and it's called Spirit Services for that reason because um, I just having the ability to see, know, and understand that there is a soul there that needs assistance. If I have the gift and ability to be able to help that soul, that's what I want to use my gifts for. So okay, there's uh, yeah. Well, I'm curious. You said this a little bit earlier. A good ghost and a bad ghost. So can you clarify 
what that means to you or or what is it just an energy vibration some people maybe don't know they're dead yes and it's, oh we could have probably yeah, a whole episode might, on what a ghost this could and be episode number is. two but in a <laughs> nutshell um you can pick up on whether this spirit or soul is in torment versus just a friendly kind of trickster energy or hi what's yes. up high five <laughs> okay well i think that there's some you know you have to look at free will choice and a, mm-hmm. and a soul has free will choice in life as it did in in death as it did in life and when you know you can you can walk into a room and and you know you talk about clearing with sage and different things like that but this soul that you're trying to clear out of a space actually has free will choice so if it's not agreeing to go somewhere, it's probably not going to just move on. Um, So one of the things that I do in my clearing work is actually talk to that soul and try to help it understand why it shouldn't stay where it is and that there is a better place for that soul to go. Um, Kind of doing an intervention. Yes, an intervention. Yes. a good way to say it. I mean, we do that for living people when they're stuck in a problem or can't get out of a rut. You're kind of doing that for people that have passed away. Yes. stuck in a rut and they can't see past their own nose or whatever And that's it is. a lot of the clientele that I help, houses that I clear, you know, that sometimes energies don't know that they're dead. Sometimes the soul doesn't know that they've died and they're just really confused when you're when your soul is stuck at that lower vibration. It's I kind of think of it as an in-between, in between this world and the next. Um, that soul has a harder time seeing things clearly or understanding. So, you know, you talk about that poltergeist activity yeah. um, or frustration. Sometimes it's just something trying to get your attention because they're stuck and they to really do need help. Yeah. I'm going to throw in a little personal theory of mine. Um, you know, I do a lot of dream work and yes. I think dreams are kind of a practice area for us when we possibly pass on and you know we've all had those dreams and you wake up and you're like how did I not know that was a dream because in the dream world you can convince yourself that you know (laughs) your kids have 16 eyeballs and they have a snake's tail you're like well that's I can rationalize that away so I imagine ghosts or spirits like in the in-between or the spirit world are kind of going through that same thing like oh I can make all of this make sense but it's still a little weird and confusing but they don't it's like they don't know they're in that a dream. That's not the right word, but you no, know what that, I mean. Yeah. Exactly. They're just, it's a more confusing existence. Different I think, consciousness level. Com- completely. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, you know, you talk about good ghosts or bad ghosts, you know, that's kind of a generalization, but some I ghosts. I don't think that's even true because I don't right. like those words. It's just the, the ghosts that are really confused and scared themselves scared exactly and and sometimes you know I do believe there are places out there like four paws or the Palmer house we do a lot of events up at the Palmer house I get asked a lot why how can I be a paranormal investigator and a psychic medium at the same time um because well that doesn't really make sense. No, it does. <laughs> you're like, okay, you're 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 hunting ghosts, but you're a psychic too. I get that. Like, right? Is that one of the? Well, exactly. But also, how come I'm not just going in and clearing out all of the ghosts that I come across? Oh, right. That's that's really more what I was trying to get at. And I think that some of those ghosts are there for us to be able to learn about what it's like on that side and mm-hmm. and interact with that. So I think there are some places like the Palmer House or Four Paws where those ghosts those ghosts don't need to be cleared where they are there to help educate us on what what the other side is like and what's going on. Okay. Are there any 
uh, spirits or ghosts you've tried to help and couldn't? Um, there have been a couple ghosts that are stubborn, and it takes a little bit <laughs> of oh, time. You're <laughs> stubborn in life, you have a lot of fixed energy in your chart, and uh, uh, your ego maybe carries on a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, well, interesting thing about astrology is the chart after you pass away is still active. Okay. So they see this with like celebrities, like I think Michael Jackson had a posthumous album or something like you can see the spikes in the chart even though the person has passed away so that's oh, interesting that's like really if we had the charts of these ghosts that lived at the four paws when it was a house um or any other haunted residences it, it kind of be cool for me you know as yes. the astrologer to see um if the ghost's life matched their you know the birth chart you right know, that would be a whole cool thing for me to do well and that's actually one of the reasons i love working with you so much is because we my logical brain really likes how the astrology validates some of the things that I'm getting psychically. Yeah, let's move on to that. So we, Natalie and I met about exactly six months ago. I moved office space and I've talked about that a little bit on this pod and I ended up at the space where Natalie had just yep. started renting as well, I think. Not long, yes. how long were you there before? Well, before that I was doing readings out of my home. Okay. And I was about to have all my kids come home on summer break, uh, high school kids and younger, <laughs> three kids. I have three kids. You're like, I, I got to sound like, I can't work with Sometimes them. it feels like a lot. <laughs> yeah. but, um, anyway, I knew that I couldn't have clients come to my house for a quiet reading in the living room if my kids were walking through looking for chips. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so I needed to find an office space. So I found a spot where I could rent two, one or two days a week. And it happened to be in the same building. Two you doors found. down from me. And we met, and um, I don't even know. I, you know, like, I, re- it's weird in my life when things just kind of happen organically. I have trouble remembering how we even became friends because it was like almost immediate. Um, I took some <laughs> of your classes, I think, and then we, you got me involved in this amazing group of women and other business owners I've met through you. So thank you so much. I'm yes. so well, glad. It's all serendipity. Yeah, everything <laughs> that happened. And then, I'll, let's go here because we started working together about two months ago. Natalie and I were at a happy hour. So our joke is an astrologer and a psychic walked into a bar and um, someone there asked me to look at their chart, which as an astrologer, you can imagine that happens to me quite often. Um, so I started doing it and Natalie was sitting to my left and I was talking to the other person about their chart and Natalie said, hold on, I'm getting information as you're talking. And I just remember looking at you and turning my head and being like, what? Like, what's what's happening? And the whole table was like, what? And you're like, I don't know. I, what, what's your... Let me explain yeah. that. So for me, the strongest of my psychic gifts is clear cognizance. And there's several different gifts. But for me, that's my strongest. And what that is, is it's almost like uh, it's the gift of knowing. It, you, you know because you know, which mm-hmm. is makes me really hard to be married to because <laughs> well also as your really, logical brain that, that, that's yes. not logical no it's not logical <laughs> right. at all it's the easiest of the psychic gifts to second guess yeah. because I'm not getting an image in my head or a voice in my ear like clear you, you, right. or clear audience it's an inner knowing it's an inner knowing that you can't just be explained no because you know so what often happens when I'm working with a stuck soul is usually I'll just get a download of information all at once. So it's almost like the best way to describe it is that someone sticks a flash drive in me and I just get the whole story all at once. When I've worked with ghosts and and you ask if 
if there have been ghosts that are stubborn or stuck or that I haven't been able to help, usually I get all the information in that download that they need to hear in order to move on. Right. So For their highest good. For their highest good. Mm-hmm. And I'm always working in the greatest and highest good of whoever I'm working with. And... So that's how the information comes in. And so as you were talking and interpreting the chart, I started to get downloads of information about what that actually meant for the person that you were interpreting for. It was so so fantastic because as an astrologer, I can see symbols and they're like hieroglyphics and I have to interpret them. And I think, you know, I can say, oh, something's coming up in your your careers, maybe a raise promotion or something. There's a homework balance that needs to be worked out. Something's coming in your marriage. And then you can actually pull in the details, which astrology is awesome. It's a great tool. It's a great foundation. But I love that you can pull in the details that I never, I can't tell people's future, but you can just kind of narrow it down to not just their marriage, but, or their home life or whatever it is. It's just more of a detailed thing. It was like magical. Yeah. I was like, oh, that was so awesome that you could do that. <laughs> and I see now there's a lot of psychics that start or become astrologers or astrologers that become psychic. This is, I don't know if you know any, but I see a lot of practicing astrologers that also have psychic gifts and they combine them. But I like us because we come, we, there's two different people and two different brains and yeah. two different ways of getting information. And it just has, I mean, since that happy hour, it's flowed and it's worked and it's been amazing. Even if I'm a cancer. <laughs> I know. Well, that's the thing. I'm a Capricorn and I, cancer energy baffles me because it's the polarity. And I had like kind of bad luck with cancers the first uh, year or something I was starting. No, before I was even practicing, I was doing a bunch of free readings and all the cancers kept canceling on me. I was like, what's going on? So I had to make more friends with my cancer energy. And I love that you're a cancer because we are polarities. Yes. Um, Capricorn's the earth sign, which is the foundation, the solid. Capricorn's like a big rock. Um Kind of, they love structure and discipline and the foundation, and the cancer energy is water, um, empathy, compassion. You can pull in, you're more in touch with the other side of the veil than me. It's, it's just more easy for you to tap into that. Uh, so it's a really good balance. It's a polarity, but it uh, we've met in the middle, which are, it's very difficult for signs that are opposite to find that middle ground, but that is the goal. Like cancer is the yes. medicine for Capricorn, a Capricorn is um, medicine for cancer, if that makes sense. It does. Um, so yes, that's how we met. That's our story. We've been doing these joint, we call them joint psychic astrology readings. We're both in, so far we only do in-person readings with a client. I don't know if that's going to change. It just works really well. Um, I prefer to be in person. I don't know if you do for readings. It's a lot easier. Um, I love that we live in an age where we don't, we can do readings across the globe or whatever that happens sometimes. But for now, we are doing in-person readings. Um, in 2019, we're going to be doing them once a week. So it's yes. very exciting to get that. It's nice to get the, yeah. the set day on the calendar. We'll be working Tuesdays. If you're in the Twin Cities or Minnesota era and you want to sit down with Natalie and I, we are available Tuesdays for 2019, unless otherwise specified. <laughs> it. And then once in a while, some Saturdays. And if you really want to sit down with us, uh, send me an email and we'll try and work it out or find the best time for all of us. Because honestly, for me, I'm a little skeptical of what you do and or what I'm skeptical of even astrology sometimes. But sitting down and hearing you talk and let me just say, you don't know anything about astrology. You know a, a little bit right. now, but I, before we met, you probably knew you were a cancer, right? Yes. Okay. So you have no astrological background. And um, where am I going with this? <laughs> it's just, oh, it's like you... 
the the sessions for me are amazing because you start talking and I look at the chart and I'm like, yes, yes. Oh my God. Yes. And the best, most fun part for me is the lunar nodes. I'm obsessed with the nodes. They're karmic. They're what you came in, like the gifts and um, talents you bring in from former lives. And Natalie can just, you pick up the details of a former life where the chart can give you symbols, but not so many details. And that's where I think most of our readings have gone and helping pull in past life wounds, um, maybe cellular memory in this life, it's still kind of coming up for you and healing that energy. Yep. And, um, and identifying skipped steps. That's something I never knew about before. And that comes up a lot in our readings. Yeah. A lot of astrologers, I don't think practice. This is an evolutionary astrology thing, but a skip step is also the bendings. It's the thing in the chart. If you have something in your chart that squares your lunar nodes, that is a big deal. So if you know any astrology, look at your chart and see if something uh, squares your nodes, which is a 90 degree angle from those nodes. And in our readings, uh, lots of crazy stuff has come up. I mean, we can't talk about them, but we don't really remember them anyway. But (laughs) the readings are so goosebumpy and amazing and magical and I really feel like we're making an impact for people that maybe feel stuck or this, they're repeating the same patterns in their life. Like, why is this happening over and over? Um, I don't know. What, what's your experience as the psychic? We haven't talked too much. <laughs> we usually we meet. We're so busy. Like, we meet, we do our readings, and then see you later. Maybe we'll get a happy hour next month. And even sitting down to do this pod c- took a couple months to find time. So. Yeah. Tell tell me what what are you, what's your experience of our joint sessions? Well, I like how it just it it rounds out the whole experience for our client. Um, when people come to see me, they usually have a list of things that they want to talk about. We go through things. Sometimes past life stuff will come up, or different uh, different loved ones will come in and out of a reading based on what they need to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just it's. But I always work better with starting points. And I tell my clients that I always work better if I have something to start with. Um, those clients that come in and want me to sort of just tell them what they're there for, those are the harder readings for me. Uh, the greatest part about working with you is that we have an instant map of starting points we just do. by pulling the chart. Yeah. So everything just flows really naturally. Everything's really well-rounded. It, so. It's very organic. It does flow very well. I mean... I mean, maybe half the clients we see come in and like, I don't know, just we I always say, like, is there something that you want to talk about or do you want us to just start talking? Because we certainly can do that. And I'll pull up the chart and I'll start hammering away. And then you start downloading your information. It's it's almost instant and it just flows from there magically. I keep saying magically, but that's the only (laughs) that's the best word I can describe our readings um, with. so yeah, that is uh, our story. I mean, anything else from your story that you want to fill in the blanks? I, I I wanted to do your background, how you became a psychic from a paranormal investigator, which you still are, and an attorney, and then how we met, and how we are combining our different talents and yes. gifts and how they're helping people. <laughs> Otherwise, anything else you want to talk about today? No, I think we've covered quite a bit. <laughs> okay, yeah. And the, the last thing I want to mention is I am a little freaked out, so... Natalie and I have been invited to go together to a haunted, famously historically haunted, is it a hotel? Yep, it's the Palmer okay. House. I have never been to this place on purpose. Um, it's uh, in Sox Center, Minnesota, famously haunted. I have had numerous friends actually go to that hotel and do ghost hunts, and I've seen their videos and their evidence, and I'm 
I am I am convinced there's something going on in that hotel. And we are going to go together and I'm going to do a reading on the building itself because Natalie was so kind and you somehow found the... Well, it's it wasn't hard to find. They actually have a framed newspaper article oh. hanging in the lobby of... The birth date of the, the birth hotel. The birth date of the hotel. And you had always said that you wanted to do a, a reading for a building. So I do. We're going to showcase our joint talents and sit there together and do a reading for the Palmer House itself yes. on Friday night. Um, I've... I have numerous ghost stories myself. I'm my last house was haunted with a friendly ghost. My college, St. John's University, St. Ben's uh, in Minnesota, famously haunted by all the monks and the nuns and all that. <laughs> and they were always friendly, and I, I've never had a, I've had a couple freaky ghost experiences. So the only thing I'm nervous about is me freaking out. <laughs> you won't. I always joke that I'm going I'm... with a psychic though, so you can protect well, me. Well, <laughs> you're not just going with a psychic. I joke to people that I'm their other cleaning lady. So. <laughs> I'm the cleaning lady on the other side, so one of the reasons I do a lot of work up there is to help make sure that that's a safe place for people to investigate and experience paranormal activity uh, in a, I guess, in a safe way. Right. I don't believe that ghosts can hurt us or anything like that. I'm more afraid of myself. (laughs) I can freak myself out, you know, and that's, I'm not scared of the ghosts, I guess I should say. It's more of my reaction to people's reactions of seeing the ghosts. I'm just, I'm out of practice. It's been, you know, 10 or 15 years since I've been around ghosts regularly, but I'm very excited. I'm very looking forward to it. And I've never done a reading on a building with you. So that should be fun to do. And that'll be really fun. Um, I'm curious to know, I actually don't know this, if do you know if the Palmer House has spikes in ghost activity? Like it really amps up sometimes and it goes down? Or... I would say that's definitely true. Okay. <laughs> Do they have any stories that are the most famous in their history or a month period where every I'm, single server saw something, things I'm like that? I'm sure you could look at the television shows that they've okay. done. <laughs> have there been so, a lot yes, of Yes, um, the Ghost Adventures has been there and the Dead Files did an, ex- an episode there. So it'd be really fun. To, you know, just knowing some of that history to sit together and look at the chart that way and see, you know, if if that correlates at all. That would be really cool. I don't know. I'll have to also research if any astrologer has done astrology on a haunted house. Just more fun <laughs> stuff. I mean, like you, I've always been interested in the paranormal and ghost stories. I also was more of a sci-fi girl, so I was interested in aliens and crop circles and obsessively watching X-Files in in my basement in the 90s. That was my jam. So I'm excited that we're working together and I get to kind of come back to all of this stuff and use my science nerd astrology kind of uh, background now to see if we can tie it to ghosts and the paranormal. Um, I mean, that doesn't happen with our clients. So this is, like I said, going to be a new adventure. A new level. Yes. (laughs) Well, thank you, Natalie, for coming to the basement and being a guest on The Basement Astrologers. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. um, I will wrap us up. Thank you, everyone, for listening to The Basement Astrologers. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can email us at thebasementastrologers at gmail.com if you have any ideas for topics you'd like us to discuss. 
Kip will be back next time. And remember, we are now putting out mini pods for educational purposes. We have Aries out live and we're going to start with the signs, possibly move on to the planets. But if there's anything about astrology that you'd like to learn more about, please send us a message and Kip and I will do our best to put out a mini episode for educational purposes on the topic of your choice. Also like to thank July Fighter for our opening and closing music. Please find July Fighter on any music streaming service. Good night, Earthlings.